I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi folks, have a good day today, and let me first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now before we begin, I must note that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If you're starting to you diagnosed with autism, please see a physician, at least based on my experiences. Now let's turn right to the intro and outro. They're found on danielbooking.com and mediafiresound.com. We also have a mission to stay light to review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that may think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities not to be pitied, there's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following. We should first thank our work friends from GM Charity for Kids in Lawrence County and the surrounding area where my dad worked. GM Charity for Kids has long funded youth-related programs. The Bedford, Indiana-based employees, friends, and suppliers of this 501c3 organization raise money for the children's program. For our forthcoming gala, they are a sponsor. Boston Scientific is an additional gala sponsor. With the aid of medical science, this company improves lives. Officers for the company are located all around the world, including ones in Indiana and Costa Rica. Moving abroad and assimilating into groups is essential for people who want to use research to better the lives of others. To apply for a position or find out more about the organization, go to bostonscientific.com. Indiana Autism Services LLC is a new sponsor of our gala, who I like everyone to know about. It takes a small-town ABA to deliver top-notch ABA, and they take that commitment very seriously. To improve social skills development, create new behaviors, and maintain positive ones, each child works with a therapist. We are residents of the area and are aware of the problems in rural communities, as they say. In Bloomington, Indiana, the downtown area is home to the Hilton Garden Inn Hotel. They'll contribute two nights to our speaker's trip. This hotel is fantastic because it offers luxurious accommodations that give you the impression that you are a celebrity enjoying VIP care. An on-site restaurant, free Wi-Fi, and a 24-hour fitness facility are available as amenities. Several bars, including my sponsor, The Bluebird, can be found in downtown Bloomington. This is an ideal place to stay after a long night. In Bloomington, Indiana, Panera's bread should be examined. They are providing all of the bread for our event as a donation. The philosophy of Panera Bread is to provide warm cuisine to consumers and to employ only the best people. Check out Panera Bread that is nearby Indiana University if you are ever in the region. And lastly, we need to mention Smokeworks in Bloomington, Indiana. This is not just your typical barbecue restaurant. They not only have barbecue, but they also serve ribs, brisket, chicken, sausage, and homemade southern side dishes. The customers who go will feel like they are tasting Tennessee. Finally, the gala year has arrived once more. For this event, we have found even more sponsors. As follows, they are Walmart and Kroger. I want to thank everyone for your support. And there are some people I'd like to thank. The first is not really a shout out as more of an announcement. i like to remind people that we are having our second Autism Rocks and Rolls Gala. There's more information in the previous episode C230, but I care for more. But make sure to get your tickets. It'll be a fun day ahead. My first actual thank you now goes to another former Cutthroat Kitchen competitor, Chef Dustin Taylor. Thank you for taking the time to respond to me. And last month, I did something I have not done in a while. What I did was a mock speech. This speech was called Ready, Set, Podcast. Thank you to all that attended. Something else I have not done for a while that I did is I wrote some new blogs. They are titled Living in Green County, My Demon, The Podfest Feeling, and No Empathy. Feel free to check them out at autismrocksandrolls16.blogspot.com. I also spoke to my sponsor, Stonebelt. I was with Brianna Sinar, and we had a Q&A session, and I got some questions from the clients during the webinar. Thank you again for letting me come. I had a nice time. On top of my Q&A session and my mock speech, I did a paid speaking engagement. It was with the Bloomington, Indiana Kiwanis. Kiwanis is an organization that focuses on the life of children. My presentation was about the autism spectrum, but also how to find success in children who have autism. Thank you, Vanessa McClay, for not only inviting me, but also pumping me up. And since the last episode, I've been on several podcasts. I've been on the Coffee Celebration podcast with Wendy Steinberg. 
How to Survive Society Podcast with Abby Aola, Motivate Change Podcast with Devin Brzezinski, Neurodiverse Noise Podcast with Michael Emerson Belbin, Albino Rhino Media Podcast with Matt Gwen, Thriving Entrepreneurial Radio Show with Steve Kidd, Surviving Guide to Life Podcast with Amor Sally, and the A for Able Podcast with Kyle Eric. What an awesome group of podcasts. Now, folks, we'll be right back right here and add from the barn on Maryland Ridge. So let's get to it. There is a hidden gym in eastern Greene County, folks. Fowler's Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge Wedding Barn. Autism Rocks and Rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends, Perry and Renee Fowler, and their place of business. Both Fowler Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of Bloomington, Indiana, and an hour south of Indianapolis. You can find them at 53... Four seven South Green County Line Road, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. The property has numerous picture locations, including several rolling fields, antique tractors, red and rustic barns, trees, and much more. Customized wedding packages are offered on their website. The surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding. Also, Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze and a petting zoo call the fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812-325-6022 all right folks and you'll definitely hear the words i do at this wedding barn now today's topic will be about something that i know is important to the autism world because from a personal standpoint i have had some challenges with this in the past i don't as much now but i once upon a time did and that topic would be table manners because i think table manners are essential to one person's character Now, looking back on it, when I was a kid, I probably did not think that. I probably thought, table manners, I I don't need that right now. Let me just enjoy my food. I'm a child. And you're right. It isn't looked at when you are a child. But when you're an adult, I'm going to tell you this from personal experience, it will come back and nip you in the butt. Because I'm just being honest with you, they look at your table manners. They look at how you're eating. They look if you're a complete slob or if you're just somewhat proper and etiquette. You don't have to be Mr. Fancy Pants. I didn't understand it till when I was 16, but I did when I was 18 because I saw people were starting to judge and I did some looking into and examining on how to practice it more and it worked. So yes, I can tell you that it is very, and I mean very important to one's character. There are some people manners out there, I'll be honest, I 100% get. I think it needs to be there and we need etiquette for our own good, but there's a problem. There's some table manners that I look at that are really, really, they're irrelevant to where I think, why are we getting looked at based upon this manner? Is this manner really need to be looked at or could even be considered a table manner? Because maybe it doesn't need to be. Maybe there's a reason why we cannot do that table manner or why it's not important to us. It's just hard to explain. Now, the definition of table manners is a set of actions which are typically expected of someone while they are eating. And I just want everyone to know that this loosely translates the manners you use when you're at the dinner table or eating a family meal. And that's a tip right there for those on the spectrum to remember is this. Family meals don't last all day. You don't have to use these behaviors all the time. You're not expected to put a napkin in your lap when you're at the computer. No, 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 no. It's only at the family meal table. And remember this too, family meals don't last every minute of your life. A good family meal at least lasts four to five minutes. So when you add that total, it's only really 15 minutes of your day using these manners. So just remember that you had to use these manners, but it's only for a short amount of time. And if you can do it during each meal that lasts five minutes, that's an accomplishment in itself. And even if you're doing one, it's still an accomplishment, period. You're going in the right step. I think why this can be a challenge is that there are either small details that are either A, too hard to grasp, 
or be there just to pain. I'm not talking about hard to grasp to understand. I'm talking about hard to do because you've heard me say on this podcast, it's so simple yet so complicated. Well, that manner, even though it's so basic, could be the hardest thing alive to do. It's almost trying to solve an impossible Rubik's Cube for them. They don't know why they have to do it, but they also don't understand how to do it. They understand how do you cut your chicken up. It doesn't make any sense to them. They'd rather just try to chew it off as a whole. And I know we can't do that, but you got to cut some slack at the same time. I'm not trying to say let the child eat the chicken as a whole. No, but understand that this is not the easiest thing to do. It's the hardest thing probably sometimes to do because we want to do it right, but how do we do it? What's the length of cutting the chicken? How far do we cut it? Do we cut it into this right here? Do we cut it right here? I mean, it's the same depth. How do we know? Or something else that can happen is they're just a pain. In life, the smallest details are sometimes very annoying. Well, table manners can show that pretty well because it is a small detail, but they're annoying. And when you keep adding the small details to our pizza, it becomes really overwhelming and becomes a bigger pizza where we're just tasting the toppings. So I'm just trying to say it just might take some time to understand how to do the detail or to remember that pain. And trust me, we can remember eventually because it'll become a nagging moment in our mind. We're like, all right, cut the chicken here, cut the chicken here, cut the chicken here, cut the chicken here. And trust me, it's possible to learn. I know it because I Remember in my lifetime that this is where I cut the chicken and this is where I know that the details will come and you might be a big to you, but it's possible to use the shrink ray and shrink it down to where and you'll know it to heart. And to the parents, I just want you guys to know this. The nagging that you do with their table manners will become very helpful in the end because I know at some point you're going to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Why can't you not learn to use a dang spoon for his soup? I know you might get there eventually and you might want them to become the hare and the tortoise and the hare. But guess what? That may not happen. It may become to the point where they learn in a tortoise style that's slow with mistakes. But I'm telling you, the mistakes will come to an end and they'll become a hare. They'll go from finishing second place to first place in the track and field event. Plus, I think it can be, it doesn't have to be for some, but it can be too much to focus on. So what I'm trying to say here is I'm on the high-functioning autism end of the spectrum. And high-functioning people with autism, I think, can focus on table manners. I think that's possible. They'll get it down. The table manner salt can be added to the fries. But I don't know if it is possible with someone with the middle end or low-functioning end because that can be too much for them. They can get so overwhelmed and aggravated that it's possible for them to shut down if they hear about table manners. I've seen it before and it may not be possible for them to focus on it because that's too much salt to their fries. In life, we don't eat salty fries that are way too salty. But we don't want that for them too. We don't want the person on the spectrum to be salty now. We don't want that at all. We want them to have a good time when they're at the table. And I think maybe it's not possible to add the table manners to their plate if they're not going to have a good time at the table or it can be wasted. And the solution with those is they just don't utilize table manners at all. And I'm not trying to say... They don't do something. We do something in the end to show them, hey, this is what we do, but maybe we don't nag them on it 24-7. We accept some of the table manners going away. But now, parents, I think this. What if you're at your last resort and you don't know what to do and you need them to learn table manners in some way or form? Well, I think after a while, you try everything you can. Maybe if it's that much to you, which I can understand why it is, just go get professional help. And I'm not a doctor and I don't know what they'll do, but you try and get some professional help and... Trust me, they'll work with you and your child's needs. 
or something else you can do is maybe you ask the child what the factors that's blocking them because I think there are many factors out there that could also be the reason that they don't understand table manners. Maybe it's the silverware not matching. Maybe it's the fact that it's too small of details. And maybe you ask them, okay, what can we do to help you? What do you think we should do? Should I just ground you every time you don't do it? Should I just maybe instead of nagging on it, you learn on your own? I mean, what do you think we should do? And I know those on Spectrum will be 100% honest with you because I've done an episode on it. CUO2, honesty versus bluntness. But I know they'll be honest or blunt with you and say, look, I don't know if it's possible. I tried myself. Or maybe they'll be honest and say, this is the reason why. Let's work on what we can do to fix this problem so we can learn table manners now. Another reason why it's hard for us to understand table manners is the silverware. And silverware, in case you don't know what it is, is the tools you use that you eat your food with. And the silverware can be a problem if the food with the spoon or the fork does not match with their mind. So this is what I'm trying to say here. Silverware is probably one of the greatest inventions of all time. I think we needed it, and it's what's made us evolve from caveman to humans. But the problem is, while the guy, while the inventor matched the right foods with most of the silverware, there's some I still question. I don't think he did a good job with some. I think some silverware with food he mismatched, which means that he put the wrong silverware for the wrong food. And I have a perfect example with this. For the longest time, I tried to eat eggs with a fork. It never worked out. I tried, I jabbed it, I did the steps. It just didn't work. And I finally gave up to a point where I was like, all right. So then I tried a spoon. Worked so much better. And I still use a spoon with my eggs. There's a solution to it. The silverware does not match. Just use what silverware matches yours. Who cares if they use a butter knife to eat their cake? And from a personal standpoint, at least they're going in that direction by utilizing silverware with good manners. And I'd rather have them use silverware than go down back to the caveman era. And this is actually kind of unique to say, but I also want to say that sometimes the reason that we don't understand table manners can be neurological. And there's two neurological reasons. The second one I'll get into later on in the episode, but the first one I'll mention now. And the first one is if the person on the spectrum has bad depth perception. So fun fact, autism sometimes comes with bad depth perception. And when I say this, I don't mean this physically, but I mean this metaphorically. I can't see. And I'm not trying to say I can't see the item itself. No, I can't see how far it is from me. Like right now, I don't know how far this microphone is from me. If I had to guess, it's an inch. And it's probably wrong because probably I can't measure. I'm not going to go get my tape measure to figure out the answer. But anyway, it's probably wrong. Just knowing how I am with math and how far something is from me. But that could be a real issue because you can't tell how far something is. Do we need to go this far to eat? Do we need to go backwards a little bit to eat? Do we need to go this way to eat? This way to eat? I mean, how far do we need? Which way do we need to sit so we can eat our food? And I'll be honest, that's kind of annoying. We have to sit a certain way. I'm not trying to say it's annoying to sit, but it has to be a certain way with our legs like this and our arms moved up a little bit. And as you know, it's kind of hard to do when you don't have room. So when someone's sitting beside me, I feel pretty bad for them because I need all the room to eat. I need my elbows. I need like arm length where I can reach and not feel smushed together. Some examples where depth perception might come into play is pulling the chair back or forth. And this is where you pull the chair back and you pull it in where you basically can eat your food while reaching the bowl, but also know that you're not going to make food on the floor. There's a problem. I can't find the space where it's not too far back or too forward. I know that if I go too back, I'll have to like reach over like, oh, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, yep, got it. And 
be careful on the next thing you know, if I drop on the floor, I have to clean it up. And we don't want that. We don't want to make our life harder. I know we have to clean up messes, but we don't want to make our life harder by cleaning up an extra mess. But here's the tricky part too. If we go too forward, it's more proper, but I don't get why, because I'd rather risk dropping food on the floor than going to a point where I'm just smushed in. And as I've said before, I am not the best with space. I'm a bull in a china shop. So when you smash a bull in a cage, he's going to be kicking, flailing all over the place. Well, that's the same way with me. If I'm far too up to the table yeah i'm in that cage and i'm flailing kicking and elbowing people because i don't have enough room i'd rather have some room than no room so you understand though even though that we might have to scoot back we'll still have the same table manners and we know we might do a little bit of extra work by cleaning up a mess but we'd rather do that honestly than actually smacking people if we're moving our hands and feet Another reason that involves the depth perception is leaning. And I'm not saying leaning back and forth with your back or your body. I'm talking about with your face because I think in life, and I've seen this happen before, they have to lean in and use their mouth as a fish hook to catch the fish because they're afraid that the fish is going to get aggressive. And my question is, when do we start using the fish hook and get aggressive with our food by leaning in and making sure it goes in our mouth? What, how far does it have to be off the silverware to start making a mental note? Okay, this is when I lean. And I'm not talking about Joe lean. I mean literally leaning, just FYI. But anyway, we need to know how far the silverware is going to go off from the food. Like how close does it need to be off? Does it need to be on the tip? Does it need to be way back? Does it need to be at this point in particular? Where at exactly on the silverware do we need to start leaning? The problem though is with me personally, I notice it too late. So when it starts to drop, I'm like, oh crap, it just dropped. Oh, I should have seen it sooner. Dang it. Oh, it just dropped. Why did I not see that? And the solution is with this is maybe have a visual aid. Maybe you point exactly, hey, son or daughter, this is when you start leaning. If you see your silverware right here or even a drop, start leaning in and catch it, my friend. Our next issue that can involve depth perception is portion control. Let me start this explanation off with a quote. What might be enough for you may not be enough for me. So... What I'm trying to say is our perceptions are off. So maybe the food I get, to me, when I look at it, it's the size of a dime. But to you, it's the size of a quarter. And realistically, it's probably the size of a quarter. So if we do get too much, just tell us. There's an easy solution. We'll put some food back. And if we want more, we'll go get it. It's just like having that same bowl but it's just making two trips to the destination of the food that we were going to eat. So it's definitely an easy fix, but don't make us feel bad about it. We can't help that we have bad depth perception. And sometimes it's the same way. What is a quarter to us might be a dime. Or maybe the fact that we get enough food that could feed six is something we need because from a personal standpoint, I got a gut. I'll be honest with you. And sometimes we get really, really hungry. So of course we want to feed ourselves. I also need to explain that you can't take the whole jar with you. There's some others who want probably some more too. So make sure that you are getting enough food for your system, but don't make it too much as well to where it is like, oh my gosh, you're going to get sick. But if you have a little more and to you, it's the quarter size, then maybe we want the quarter size. But I'm just trying to say, if you get the quarter size, make sure anyone else get the size of a penny. The final reason why... We might have issues because of our depth perception is sitting location. And yes, I'm thankful enough to where I don't have any sensory issues with my seating down in C123, sensitive feelings, more information. But I met some people on the spectrum who have sensory issues when they're sitting on surfaces. When we go to places, there's two types of chairs, wood there and soft chairs. Well, there's a problem with both. When those on the spectrum sit on a wooden chair, they think sitting on wood is the same as sitting on concrete. Or when they're sitting in a booth or something soft, they could feel like they're drowning almost in the chair. I know it's crazy, but I felt that before with several chairs of my own. The solution, though, is 
fix the issue. If you think you're sitting on something hard, try to sit on something soft like a pillow. Or you're sitting on something too soft, sit on something hard. Like maybe get a piece of wood. I don't know. You just get something that is the opposite of the feeling you hate. But maybe you try everything and that's not work. So maybe you do something else. And what you do is something that the real Slim Shady has been asking for decades, and that is to please stand up. Because maybe you don't sit down on when you eat. Maybe you do stand. Maybe you still have the same table manners, and you still do everything else that you need to do. But instead of sitting, you just stand. And that might be more comfortable because I'd rather be staying than sitting on something that's too hard or too soft. And it may be unordinary, but you know what? At least I'm still doing the manners right. It can even be hard before the meal when the child with autism has to wait for an extended amount of time because, in general, children's patience levels are not the best. They're very impatient. But I'm going to let you know, it's 10 times unpatient with those on the spectrum. You can hear every 20 seconds, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Or maybe in this case, is our food ready yet? 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 How long? How long? How long? How long? How long? Well, there's an easy fix for that, actually, to the parents. We can solve that issue. But first, we got to go back in time. So let's go on the time machine. And we're going to go back to one of my episodes, 218, and see 218, Dare to Discipline for more information. But we're going back in time with our time machine because we can use one of the discipline methods that I mentioned in that episode to solve this issue and that was distracting your child because if you can distract your child from something that's taking a while then I think that is an appropriate time to use the tool even though I wonder where the consequence is I think this is one of the cases where you can use that method you gotta understand too children don't understand that it takes time to make your food it's not like poof your food's there it takes time to make it but they don't and we can utilize that misunderstanding to trying to make them wait by giving them some entertainment and everyone's heard that cliche phrase time flies when they're having fun right well they're having fun so let's have the time fly for them a little bit by giving them something to do because when they were on that tablet the whole time which to them may have felt like five seconds the whole 30 minutes they were making their food for them so yeah i would say utilize something that they find fun because one it takes you away you can have some quality time parents but also you don't get to hear any of the complaining and i think you get a little bit of peace too i also believe that this is required to get straight for someone on the spectrum i and the pants are not asking you to be a completely proper person where your pinky is up in the air while wearing a suit and tie. I'm asking though for you to have a yellow zone of content, but not to have a red or a green zone. But we need to see what a red zone is, or maybe in this case, a red red zone to see when not to at all. So to see what a red red zone is, look at the first video below from the Storytime family as they will read duck and dot to you. Since I was explaining the red zone a bit and the yellow zone a bit, I will explain all the zones more in depth. I will go more into the red zone, and I'll explain the green zone to you and the yellow zone. And this is the zones of from bad table manners to really good table manners to average table manners is what I call typical table manners too. Red zone means food all over your face, which basically means that you got food on you from head to chin. You're basically have sauce all over you. You basically become a food monster if you think about it. And slurping the straw obnoxiously, which means you want to, which means you almost suck in air in a way. And then obnoxiously loud at the dinner table, which means you're being burning love. I'm on the highway to hell. I'm a drifter. Welcome to my house. And that just means you're obnoxiously loud and it's over the top where your voice has become a megaphone. And then smacking lips while eating. So it's. And you're eating the food as a whole, which means you just eat the food in one bite and distracting noises, which basically means that you pull the two and a half men, Charlie Harper, and go, and 
and it's just louder and louder and louder. And you do not share food at all. You ho you hog the whole food and you just eat it all in one bite. And you're like, my food, not yours, mine. And then we also have the lower, lower end, which is the green zone, which means you're a clean freak. So it means every time you get even something like a piece of cheese on your pants, oh, crap, got it down. And you do not drink with a straw. I think you just drink like with no straw and you basically just are just using like a big cup glass and you chew with your mouth fully closed and you use all the silverware given to you, which means that you use all the forks, the spoons and the knives, even the variety of the forks. And you keep quiet, which means you don't say a word at all. And you just listen or you just say for anyone else without even asking because that's just you being a good person. Now we have the yellow zone, which means you get food on your clothes, but it's very minimal and you do wipe up here and there. You drink with minimal slurping. So maybe instead of it's or you do smack less, but it's not like, um, 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 um. maybe it's, and you do talk, but it's not like, ah, rah, 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 mate. so I've had a great day today, and you know, this really happened, what a wonderful day. And you offer to a point, which means you do ask, hey man, you know, I'm saving this last one, do you want the last chicken wing? I also want parents to know that it is possible to have a nice meal at your house if the child with autism is non-speaking. It is possible because while they may not be able to talk, they can listen. I'm not trying to say that they can't talk, get over it. No, 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 no. I would never say that. And I can't even understand. But what I can say is I can't grasp on how that would be hard. I can't imagine how hard that would be because you do want your child to talk and then to reciprocate back even though that it may not be possible. But look at this for a minute. While they can't speak, they can listen. Part of a good family meal is not just conversing, it's listening, so they have the listening down. Even though that they may not be able to speak, they might bring something else to the table, and they can speak eloquently with their actions and not words. And even though I said they can't speak earlier, maybe I should take that back, because in the year 2023, there's electronic devices that can get, help them out with their language. It may not be possible to use the mouth, but they can speak in their own way. So don't shut the door on a bad feeling meal completely if there's no speaking going on, because they'll find another way to speak, I can tell you that. If you still do not believe me and you need evidence, I brought some evidence. And the evidence is consistent in the second video below. And in this video, you will see a short clip from Super Nanny. And in the clip, Dr. Lynn Kangle will show how to get your non-speaking child involved with setting up the dinner table. What I will say is food or the dinner table can open us up. And the reason is with one word. And that word is dot 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 appreciativeness. Because in life, I think there are some great gifts. One of the great gifts, in my opinion, is having the chance to have some warm food and sit down and chat with someone who is very important to you, whether that be your family or your grandparents or whoever your legal guardian is, and there's a chance for it, you can bet your butt I'm going to take that opportunity because they're the people I can be myself around. I can't be myself with some people when I'm at my job, even with some friends I can't be, but I can be with the people who take care of me and nurture me. If they're making food for you, that's saying something. I'd appreciate them for even just making me a simple kale salad. So yes, I would say... It is going to open us up because we're so thankful that you took the time to make us this dinner when you really just could have just either A, not made it at all, or B, send us searching for something in the fridge. And you're probably are asking me, Sam, what if I don't have anyone? What if I have nowhere to go in life? Well, truth be told, I do feel remorse for you because I hate that situation concurred, but I also think it is your responsibility to find that one person because as they say, it takes one person to change another person's life. Well, find that person that's going to change your life who will make food for you, not because you're their blood, but because the love and they see something in you that they really have the time for you and they want to help you out. 
by giving you a nice warm meal. And like I did in the last episode, I'll put myself out there again. If you really did try to find that one person, even though I can't cook, I'll try my best and give you some type of a nice warm meal where you can have the family experience at a dinner table. I am also sure everyone has heard the phrase, with great power comes with great responsibilities. Well, to those on the spectrum, I have to inform you this phrase is true when it comes to going to a restaurant. The definition of a restaurant is a place where people pay to sit in the building and enjoy a meal. The zone you will use will depend on the environment. Now, I'm just trying to say here, the zone, like the red zone, the yellow zone, the green zone I mentioned earlier, it depends on your environment. And I understand the struggle because this one, whoo, this one I still work with. The struggle is real on this one because what I wish could happen is one zone could be used for all the restaurants in the world. But I've learned that it's not possible because some you need to really work on your table manners, some you kind of do, and then some you don't need to at all. It's kind of just whatever it happened, here you go. However, because I am merciful, I will tell you when you can use zone so the first is the red and in the red in my opinion you don't use that one at all you don't even think about it it's out in the picture when you go to a restaurant maybe you could at home but i want to do it at a restaurant at all you're going to get looks and it will not be pretty now your yellow zone you can use at a fast food restaurant or a low-key sit-down place where it's just an average day at the job and it's nothing fancy nothing like that but you got to use your green zone at points and the times to use green zone is at a fancy dining restaurant or at a fancy award ceremony and this one was a learning curve for me when I went to a specific formal award place I had to dress nice I had to use my table manners put the napkin on the lap and it was not the most fun but I glad I did it because I did step outside of the house and I'm glad I did it but I hope I don't have to do that again sooner because it was too tedious and formal that it just didn't work around with me and I prefer to use my yellow but I'm not just trying to say that don't be stuck on using yellow if you have to use your green use your green zone but just don't go to red either another idea you can do is don't worry about it. I'm not trying to say, obviously, go Ben, there be a slob. But I just want to let you know that you have your family behind you. You have your friends behind you. They can help you out. If they're really a part of your blood, biological or non-biological, they'll give you assistance regardless of what service they can offer to you. And I just want to say I thank you for not leaving because I know there are probably some people out there who would leave the moment I had food all over my face. So I think you were just staying there and saying no... Uh, we do this instead of looking at me like he doesn't know this really parents it is important for you to be patient and let's eat or drink the way we choose but it has to be to a point so the way you figure this out is one is it distracting and two is it embarrassing so some distracting would be maybe like the kids banging the fork on the table like and he's just making a bunch of noise and it's getting to the point where it's annoying everybody and they need to stop or is it embarrassing? So maybe an example of this is if my cousin, who was two, is eating a cake with his hands in public. Now, obviously, there's a moment there, so I'm not trying to say during a party, let him eat the cake with his hands. That's a precious moment that I love to have. But let's say he's 10 and he's still doing that. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing to have food all over your face and look like a slob with chocolate sauce all over you. So mm -hmm, that's pretty embarrassing. But an example of the other side would be maybe they have a quirk that they do at the dinner table that they had to do because it makes them feel more comfortable because I have an example with this. For the longest time, until I was about 13 or 14, I think, I did not drink out from an adult cup. I kept using a kid's cup. 
And it was because I felt more comfortable with it as I was a very short person at the time. And I tried drinking out of a big cup and I kept spilling water all over me. So I had to use a kid's cup. Otherwise, there'd be no drink. And I'll admit it, it was embarrassing, but it wasn't distracting anybody. They still had a nice, good meal. The people around me still had a nice, warm meal and could still chat. They're doing a quirk that's not hurting anyone, that's not distracting or embarrassing to you at least or to the other people. Do it. Who's it going to hurt and what's it going to kill, honestly? I don't think it's going to harm anyone or it's going to leave a lasting effect or the time they were there. Also, parents, it is important to know that it may not be possible to enjoy a meal in public because they may just not be able to get past the rule that we don't throw silverware. It is also plausible that it will get so bad that they may have to drop the idea and leave the restaurant. Sometimes going to a restaurant is not a good idea for us because they just don't like it. It's not a good environment for them. Their sensory issues is too much for them. They can't understand the hidden rules of going to a restaurant where you have to follow the restaurant structure. It just may not be a good idea at all to put them there. And that's okay because that just may not be in their environment. Some people don't like going to restaurants. But who says you can't? Because the solution there is you can still go to the restaurant and just don't bring them. Because, hey, date night exists, right? So have a date night. It's possible to go without them. They don't need to be there for you to enjoy yourself. I know you would want to, but it might be one of the sacrifices you had to put up with. It could even happen during your time at the restaurant because like my mother had, you know, see when I'll find meet my mother for more information, but like her having to leave her groceries in the car because of me having a sensory meltdown, the same might have to happen at a restaurant because of the sensory noises. So I just want you to know that be aware of the fact that you might have to leave and I'd rather you be prepared for that fact than being like, what the heck's happening here? Parents, I'll give you a key tip here and that is to acknowledge the child there is showing good table manners. So... First, I actually want to do this because I've wanted to do this on the podcast for a while. So, listeners of Autism Rocks and Rolls, acknowledge me! Sorry, I've always wanted to say that, and I figured now is a good opportunity. But all kidding aside, acknowledge me is saying something. Because acknowledging is what I want when I'm doing good table manners. Because that's going to give them encouragement. I know it's important for every child to go, Hey, good job using your spoon. Or, yay, we're using a fork now. Or, whoop-de-doo, you cut your first piece of chicken. Yay. Well, it's even more crucial to do with salt on the spectrum. Because if I'm getting acknowledged for my table manners, then, yeah, I'm going to keep doing them. And when you acknowledge me, it's like the drill sergeant congratulating me, saying, Good job, sir, ma'am. You moved up to the next rank. And while I'm thinking about it, speaking of drill sergeant, maybe that's an idea, is make the table manners fun into a game or a mission. So maybe mission one is you put your feet down. Mission two is you're using the spoon. Mission three is you sit back. Mission four is you cut the chicken up and you make it into a game because you might make some memories with that game. You never know. And I'll just say real quick too that if there's a game involving that, that might work because, hey, if you make the game fun, I might want to start playing. Another idea is to help give the child one of my favorite tools that I have said in previous episodes as dun 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 a social story. I think this topic needs a social story. Well, not be just one, but two social stories. So look at the third and fourth video below to watch Buddy the Puppet go through the steps on how to eat at the dinner table with the next one showing how to eat at a restaurant. As I said earlier, there was another neurological reason that I was going to get into because of bad table manners. And that reason is dun 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 stemming, where we basically just rock back and forth or we're basically flapping our arms. And that could be one of the reasons why we've done the best table manners because it's something we can't help. I wish we could sometimes, but we cannot help the fact that we stand and we're relaxing sometimes when we're rocking back and forth. And if you think about some on the spectrum cannot sit still sometimes. They had to move their legs, and they had to move their arms. But if you're looking at us because we're stemming and we're trying to relax, that's wrong. We can't help that. And hey, we'll still do our best to do all the manners. It's just that we might have to do a little movement while doing the 
table manners that society is requesting. Now, I will be honest with you. There are some behaviors I think are ridiculous that are considered table manners. I'm not saying I don't do them. I just think they're ridiculous. So according to some general research and my thoughts, some examples are wiping up during the meal. And I'm not trying to say wiping at all. But wiping during the meal, why are we doing that? Because A, it's ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense because we're going to get messy again after we wipe our face up. So why are we wiping when we're going to have to already wipe again later on? It's a waste of our time. And I don't want to waste my time by just keep rubbing my face down with chicken finger licks all over me. So I think it's better to wipe at a later time but not during the meal because you're going to get messy. Food, what do you expect? If you're really that scared of getting food all over your face, then don't eat something messy. Just eat something simple. The next one that I don't see being beneficial is wearing a bib. And I'm talking about this with the younger kids. Be wearing a bib is a pet peeve that I see because it's not useful. I don't think the bib can help out a kid from not getting messy because I'm just going to be honest with you. Young kids are pigs. <laughs> they really are. And it's inevitable that... The child will get messy. The bib ain't going to help much because he's a kid and he's a klutz. So why are we using the bib if it's unavoidable that he will get messy? And I think you only get one trip in life to become a kid. So I think we need to let that loose a little because kids are kids and we need to let a kid be a kid. The next one I don't believe is right at all is being quiet. And apparently what I've just learned is it's more polite to be quiet at the dinner table than to talk. And pfft, why? I don't think there is an answer because it's very dumb. And the reason why I think it's dumb is it contradicts the point of a family dinner. I thought the point of the family dinner was to sit down and enjoy each other's company. Well, how can we enjoy each other's company if we're just sitting there and staring at the light? Uh, I don't think that's how we enjoy each other's company. I think what we do is open up the tunnel and hear each other out and be like, I'm over here, I'm over here. Hello, how you doing? Another table man that I don't see a point with is the napkin on the lap. And this is probably for two reasons. One's a personal reason because I got nagged with it when it was done. Like I could not leave a restaurant without my parents telling me, hey, make sure you put your napkin on your lap. Well, because of that, I don't like it now because you wouldn't shut up with it. So yeah, don't like it because of that personally. But I don't like it also because I think it's just temporary. It's not like the bib where it's not useful. It's somewhat useful, but not much useful. And the reason being is I'm still going to get food on my lap because uh, messy eaters still are messy eaters. So I'm just wondering why are we putting the neck in our lap if we're still going to get food all over my face or food all over my legs still, you know, it might reduce some of the sauce. I'll still get some sauce on there. So that ain't going to work. What we need is just a permanent solution and not a temporary solution. Maybe that permanent solution is where you get covered up in napkins and you create a napkin suit. I don't know what that is, but maybe one day I'll invent a napkin suit. Who knows? The next one is multiple forks. And I want to just ask the people who invented not just the basic fork because the basic fork was a good idea, but the multiple forks like the, your spaghetti fork, a salad fork. Why are they here? Were you trying to make life difficult for us because we don't need them? I think they're a great tool, but here's the issue. The fork beats you on it. Why use a special fork when we can use the one fork for all of the things that a special fork is supposed to be used for. And another issue I have with these special forks is they all look the same. Why are we going to use these forks if they're all the same to the regular fork or they look similar? We got to make them separate or look apart somehow because if they don't look apart, I'm going to think the salad fork is a spaghetti fork. Well, a spaghetti fork will be a salad fork. And next thing you know, I'm using the wrong fork for the wrong food. It doesn't need to be there. It's either going to confuse us or just make life worse for us. The next table manner that I see ridiculous is normal body functions. Now I'm not talking about the body functions you do and you get looked at. No, I'm 
talking about a body functions that are normal, but you get looked at. So maybe example for a sneeze where you go, achoo, or maybe a cough where you go, <coughs> what's frustrating about it is it's normal and we still get looked at. Or if you sneeze all over someone's food or you cough on someone's food by accident, you get looked at. Well, they need to grow up about that, in my opinion, because that's normal body functions. We can't help that. And you're saying, well, you should cover your mouth then. We'll cover your mouth. Okay, I can't worry about that. Okay, I'm worried about eating right now. Now, if I was sick, I would 100% be more focused on it because I don't want to get anyone sick. But if I'm just a regular sneeze or a regular cough, that's so different. I'm not going to focus on that right now. I'm busy. And if you are really petite on that, you should not be having dinner with me because here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to worry about getting you sick because I'm healthy. I'm going to worry about eating. And if I sneeze or cough on your food, tough luck, buddy. You should have expected that because I'm a human being. I had to do some body functions that probably aren't the most pleasant sometimes, but I had to do it because it's a part of my body. The next one is touching all the food. And what I mean by this is when the food arrives, everyone gets a plate first and then they grab all their snacks or food they want. If it's an appetizer, well, I don't do that. I wait for it to hit the table and then all hands are off, my friend. But I think it's done that we have to get the plates and wait for it because I'd rather just bear paw it and grab the food. I'll be honest with you. We, they don't need a plate though. They're finger foods. So why are we using a plate for finger foods? I thought finger foods were meant for your fingers. I thought we used plates for something that we use a silverware with, like mac and cheese or a T-bone steak. It doesn't make any sense to grab a plate for a food that you grab with your fingers and pop in your mouth. I don't see a point with that. Now, if you're grabbing multiple, 100%, yeah, I would grab a plate. But if you're just popping one in your mouth and you get looks for it, buddy, that's not right. That's the wrong way of judging someone because they're just trying to get a piece of food in their mouth. We shouldn't get looked at for something as innocent as that. And I had to learn this one the hard way that it wasn't acceptable because one day I went to Outback with my family and we got an appetizer cheese fries. Normal, but here's the problem. What I did not know and I wanted to was I was hoarding it by just going double down and just moving my hands 24 seven going, oh, 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 and I was moving a pattern going, oh, 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 and I'm not saving any for anyone else. I was touching all the food. But I didn't care at that point because I thought, hey, did we not order this? And I should have considered like for someone else, but I was thinking about saving it for them. So even though that, hey, you're touching all the food, I'm still going to give you some. Just let me have my enjoyment before you can have yours. That was my initial thought, but I've learned that's not acceptable. And I definitely have improved with not hogging up cheese fries anymore, to say the least. The next hill manner that I don't see a point to is double dipping, and that means no double dipping. The reason why I don't see this fitting is it's not cool to do if you're giving us a limit because we were gifted with this. When you're telling me no, it's just the same as telling me, hey, you can only use your birthday present one time. And that's not what we want to do because let's think about this logically. When a child receives a birthday gift, what's he going to do? They're probably going to use that gift as much as they can. Well, it's the same thing with the ranch. I should be able to dip the ranch as much as I should because it was received to me as a gift. And I thank you for giving it to me. I'm not trying to say, you gave it to me. I'm using it as much as I want. No, 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 no. But I should be able to use it because I was gifted with this. I was handed this and I thank you for it. But shouldn't it be used up? Because if it's not, I know where it goes at the end. And I don't want the ranch to go to waste. So I think the restaurant would much more appreciate me dipping as much as I can using the ranch versus just not using it at all or very minimally. And next thing you know, it's in the trash and no one ever hears about it again. However, there is a limit I shouldn't mention. And that limit is going into a field day, what I call, which means the field days you're messy. You're putting your hands in there. You're just drinking it from the 
cup, that's not cool at all. That's crossing the line. I do think we should dip it as much, but I never said we should get messy with the ranch by itself. We need to utilize it with our food. It needs to be dipped, not sipped. The next idea that I think we get judged on based on the tailman that's really dumb is slouching. So now apparently we're getting judged on the way we sit at the dinner table. Yeah, stupid. It's dumb because we shouldn't be judged on the way we sit at the table. It should be looked at based on the way we eat. That's what we're trying to focus on, right? Right. But now we're looking at the way we sit. Come on. Really? Do we have to sit on an eggshell because that prim and proper, which we should not be, we should at least have some freedom, not be like, okay, sit this way. Not cool at all. I think that's unfair and unrealistic too. So if we're slouching a little bit, that might be the way we sit. And that might even be more comfortable for us because, hey, if I'm going to eat a meal at a dinner table, I'm going to get comfortable in somewhere at home. It won't be like all out where I'm at my home, but it will be at least to the point where I'm comfortable and have somewhat of a movement that I can be free with. My final table manner that I think is really dumb is they won't eat at the moment the food's made. We probably heard growing up, Jason, dinner time. Well, when you hear dinner time, you're expected to eat at that time frame. Well... Why do we have to eat that time frame exactly? What's it going to kill if we eat later? I don't see a point of eating right now because I'm not hungry. And I understand that if you're not hungry right now, that's totally understandable. But don't be digging into any sweets or stuff because I understand that parents need to say, okay, that's fine if you don't eat right now, but you're not eating any ice cream until you eat your T-bone steak. Totally understand that. But don't make them say, you're eating this T-bone steak right now. End of story, sit your butt up on that seat. Well, guess what? They may not do it because they're not really hungry. And you can't force someone to eat at any moment. I don't care what age you are. It's not fair to do. So I would say if that's the case, you can save it for later. But don't save it too later. Because they may just not eat at all, which I think is rude, which I'll get to more later. But their dinner time might just be different from your dinner time, which is a-okay because, hey, they'll eat it eventually, right? And if they don't, they just don't get any sweets. Nothing too big about it at all. Now, I think I made this earlier, but I'd rather be safe than sorry I was making it again just to be okay and know that I did. So I just want to say that even though they're stupid, we still have to do those table manners. But I just want to say on the flip side, there are some behaviors that need to be consider table manners according to some general research and my thoughts some of those include funny but gross body functions look i'm the guy who's gonna laugh at something that's disgusting i'll admit it i do but not at the dinner table when i used to be the kid who would probably put this on the i don't understand table manner list but now looking back and now looking at it as an adult i see why this is considered rude and it's not fun to do and even though it's funny at points i'll admit it we can't do it at the dinner table because they don't want to hear it and it's an unpleasant sound so the solution is pretty much to solve this problem as rip would say from yellowstone don't do it if you need to do it excuse yourself from the table now if it slips i understand it happens we can't control our body sometimes and our body is not the nicest to us so i get it but if you're pushing it out yeah it's kind of rude and it's not cool to do so you need to do it though i get it it's a body function that unfortunately exists but don't do it around us. Go in the bathroom or go away from the people you're sitting with. The next table mirror that I understand is saying please and thank you. And that would be something such as can you please pass the salt or thank you very much for my napkin. Now this is kind of a funny one because do I get why it exists? No. Do I think it makes sense? Yes, and I just find that odd. But anyway, I guess the person who invented table manners was thinking, you know what? How can we make people more polite? I know. We'll have them use please and thank you. And you know what? It worked because people are saying please and thank you to this day. And the person who made it is probably very proud. And I'll say this. If you say please and thank you at the dinner table, 
that shows your maturity right there. The next table manner that I think needs to exist is wiping before or after. Now, earlier I said wiping during the meal was pretty dumb, and I still believe that. But I could see some reasoning with before because you want to impress someone. You just look clean for your family. Totally understand. I'm still confused a little why because you're going to get messy here in just a few seconds. But where it makes sense to me the most is after because you just got done with the meal. You're stuffed. You got to look great again. So maybe it's time to rinse up a bit. And I'm not trying to say after you eat by rinsing up translates taking a shower. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is you at least need to get the food off your face and the food off your clothes so you don't appear to be a slob in public or even in your house too because no one likes a slob. I've learned that. The hard way, and I know that from personal experience. Trust me when I tell you, clean up after you're done or find a time to if you don't do it right away because trust me, when you go out in public the next day, it's going to be noticeable. The next table manner is eating fast. Now, this is a hard one for me, I'll admit, because I'm a fast eater and it's just part of my metabolism. And it's the way I eat. I can't help it. But what I've learned is I can actually still eat fast but have a rhythm. So maybe I'm going home, home, home. Um, 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 and it's fine. But what I cannot be is the cookie monster eating a cookie going, thank you for cookie. Thank you very much. But what I can do is have that rhythm still, but also make it a fast piece to where there is a beat in the end of the drum. So I'm telling you right now, you can still be a fast eater if you want to be, but I want to recommend it because you still might get the hiccups going. <coughs> I'm just saying you might be careful with the pace you're eating too. If you can find that mild pace, great. But no matter what the pace is, find the beat too because once you find it, it'll just become easy to do and the rhythm will go to your head and you won't even know that you're doing it. The next table manner that I believe it should exist is sharing your food. And everyone's heard the phrase, sharing is caring. Well, I'm a firm believer in that. So I think we can play the share the wealth card in certain foods such as fried pickles and jalapeno poppers. And people need to understand one of the hidden rules is with appetizers, the food was not meant for just you. The food was meant for everyone at the table. So we all need to play nice and make sure everybody gets a popper or a pickle. The next hill manner that I see is appropriate is eating food off the floor. Now I'll admit it, I'm terrible. I shouldn't do this, but I eat food off the floor. I believe in the five second rule. But I do it at home when no one's looking and when it's maybe just a little snack happening. But I'm not going to do it at a fancy dinner table or at the table that I'm eating at because I will get looked at like I'm a dog eating my food out of his food bowl. And we're not that, so we don't need to be that. So in my opinion, if you're going to do the five-second rule, I get it, and it's kind of fun to do. But don't do it if you can, and be the bigger person, unlike me, and don't do even the five-second rule, even though I'm believing it. And you got to remember, too, do you know how much germs are on the floor? A lot, because people will touch it, people step on it with their shoes. It's gross and nasty, so I guess I'm nasty, too, a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, in all seriousness, if you drop it, just let it be. Someone will pick it up, and it will get thrown away. You'll probably avoid getting sick, too, and I think you would rather avoid getting sick than getting sick. My next table manner that I understand is the cell phone off, and this one drives me nuts because I've seen cell phone get so addicting that they're not talking. They're just texting or just playing a game the whole way, and they're even texting each other. Go figure. But... That's not appropriate. I think we all need to break from our phones and we don't need it 24-7. We need to get away from the phone at dinner time because we can actually now have the opportunity to talk to real human beings and not look at the cell phone to where we're just texting through a screen. I think we still need that socializing with our family to learn about, hey, how was your day? Now, phone ain't going to give you genuine love. It's going to give you fun time, but it won't give you any love time from your family that should come with a great family. Also, a table manner that I can see existing is waiting for everyone to be seated because I think when most people on a spectrum 
seafood. They're ready. They're ready to go in and dive in their food. Well, no one else is maybe because they need to get seen and settled. You might be settled already because you see the food, but I'm going to be honest with you. You're not settled. Settled means you can sit, you're ready to eat, and you can feel like you're not going to make a mess. Well, if you're standing, you're going to make a mess. There's no easy way around it. So just wait a few more extra minutes before you can have the food. And then guess what? It's all hands on deck. You're ready to eat and you can enjoy that meal. My next table manner that I see appropriate is conversing. See, 1115 conversation operation. But I think because we've been so stressed and we got a life, we actually now have an opportunity to talk and just relax and eat food. I prefer that over going to work. So yeah, I would say if we have the opportunity to converse, let's utilize it. Don't be the quiet kid and not talk. Now I can understand why you'll be quiet sometimes. Even though I bashed earlier, I can understand why. There's people who don't want to talk or will not talk unless they're a pro. So which is the right answer? That all depends on the family dynamics and how the family operates. But in my opinion, you at least need to converse a little bit because you've been so stressed. Now you get the chance to relax and talk to your family who actually love you or whoever likes you a lot. I would say utilize that because it may not happen to you the next day. You might not be able to enjoy the dinner the next day because of a life thing occurring in your life. My next table manner is clean up. And yes, you guys are saying this. Clean up, clean up, clean up. Everybody clean up, clean up. All right. I'm just kidding there. I'm not going to turn this into a musical for you. But anyway, in all seriousness, we do need to clean up. And I'll admit it, I'm probably the worst at this. I'm probably leaving messes and I'm not the best with cleaning up after myself nor clean up after dinner. But I should more often because, guys, you should be the bigger person than I am. Even though I don't clean it up, you should. And I need to work on it too because my parents made the food for me and I didn't help them at all. The least thing I could do is after the meal's over to help clean up. And I think if you help them clean up the mess that you made and they made, it shows gratitude. We can all work together. And I think we work together, the task of cleaning up the mess will get done more efficiently. Next on the list is playing with food. I can understand why it is a challenge not to do because as a person who is a child at heart, I get it because, hey, if I could play with food all day, I would. But I've learned that food is not a toy. And there's are things you can mess around with that is not food. There's toys out there. While playing with food is fun, you gotta understand how hard it is on the parents because the parents have to clean it up. You don't have to clean it up. You gotta understand from their perspective that, hey, you can't make a mess because, hey, I have to clean this up. And this mess is unnecessary. I would understand if this mess was a necessity, but this is an unnecessary mess to make because of your actions and I have to do your dirty work. So, yeah, I wouldn't play with the food if it's going to affect the parents. And I want to make my parents happy. And if not playing with my food is going to make my parents happy, then I will not play with my food because I don't want to make their life harder as their life can already be hard some days because of me or something else that happened through their job or their life. My final table manner that I see is needs to be there is won't eat at all. Now, I said earlier you can eat at your own time, but you got to do it eventually. You can't just throw the full mac and cheese into the garbage can. Because I did get my father's lectures and see one one thirteen on a sun chat for more information but i did get the classic i won't say which country out of respect but the classic american kids are hungry in this town look what you have lecture and that kind of stuck with me because i got all the food and they didn't it's probably part of my human trait if i could give someone my food because they were hungry and they needed because they haven't eaten for five days believe me i would and i utilize that to my advantage because i would give them food and i have done it before but i made sure i ate my food and my food was off that plate because i was grateful for what i had 
And it was most days. I still went against it. But I could probably think of more times of eating the food than not eating the food because I was so grateful for the food I got as someone else didn't get what I had. And I was so thankful for what I had. And I did feel bad for them. But I had to look after me at that moment and not them. Now, this conclusion is a bit different because I actually had three conclusion videos and my regular statement. These conclusion videos are demonstrations on what the table manner zones look like. So the fifth video below is the red zone. And I'm not just saying what the base is. I mean, an actual in-depth of what the red zone looks like. And this video is from the American sitcom, The Kings and Queens. The next video is the green zone, which is the sixth video below. And this one is just from an old regular time movie that I have no idea what it's called. And then the yellow zone is a seventh video below. And this is the yellow zone where they are showing it through the classic American detective reality show, Blue Bloods. Now for my statement. To conclude, we want the ducks. Gotta have them ducks. Come on. We want the ducks. Gotta have them ducks. No, I'm kidding. I'm just messing around. But in all seriousness, to conclude, I do understand that table manners are essential to one's character. But we cannot be goody two-shoes all the way. Just like most concepts in the autism world, there needs to be some bending. So what if someone eats ice cream with a fork? Or in my case, uses a spoon for eggs? Who says I can't? However, I do see that we cannot dive into the mashed potatoes with our hands. My final piece of advice that I have is I would like to leave you with a question. That question is what manners in the table manners world have a purpose? Well, folks, I think that'll be all for us today and hope you learned something about table manners. I want you right now to go work on your table manners. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.